I'm I'm going to move us on um, to the, the last thing we want to look at this weekend in terms of our DNA, or, or, or today I should say. And that is a bit more unique to Freedom Church. I would say these two things over here, you'll get in any church, I would hope, that we love God and we love one another. But in Freedom Church, there's another one, which is, it's in our DNA to be Liverpool fans. <laughs> Not those Liverpool fans. Uh, actually, city of Liverpool fans, okay? I don't, I'm not going to stand here and tell, tell you you need to be Liverpool fans. But, you know, as a church, we are here in Liverpool, not here, but in Liverpool, to actively love the city of Liverpool. That is in our DNA. We're not just there to meet on a Sunday or a Wednesday, whenever it is, and enjoy time together and then go home and forget about it. We're here in Liverpool to make a difference to Liverpool. And actually, it's important. Actually, I believe God has a heart for cities. And exactly because of what I've put on the screen up there, God loves cities because they are full of people. And we looked this morning at God's passion for us as people. I just noticed your t-shirt, Karen. Jesus loves my city. Um, Spot on. God loves us. And cities are full of people. And so God seems to use cities in particular for his glory. Because in cities you get every element of human life. You get the highs, the lows. You get the rich. You get the poor. You get the happy, the sad. You get the family. You get the lonely. You get absolutely every walk of life. And what better place for the gospel to go forward. And, and the, the Bible is full of city life. In the Old Testament we see Jerusalem just being a key part of the whole whole story with David, with Solomon, with Nehemiah rebuilding the city. We see an example of, of Jonah being sent to a city that God wants to redeem, sent to Nineveh. He doesn't want to go at first, but he goes and, and, he, and he does something amazing there. God's got a heart for cities because they're full of people. And in the New Testament, Jesus' whole ministry builds to an incredible climax in the city of Jerusalem. That's where it all happens at the end. And actually, if you look at the early church, you look at how the gospel spread, you look at Paul and his missionary journeys. You know, Paul didn't go on a farm tour of rural uh, Middle East or whatever it is, did he? He went to the cities. He went to Rome. He went to Corinth. He went to Athens. He went to cities. Because that is where the gospel is going to spread. Because it's full of people who God loves and God wants to know. And God's ultimate redemption plan for us involves a city, a new city. Cities are important, and the city we live in is vital and is part of our DNA. That's a satellite photo, Liverpool there. This is a quote from Tim Keller, but it's vital. People who live in large urban cultural centres, occupying jobs in the arts, business, academia, publishing, the helping professions, the media, tend to have a disproportionate effect on how things are done in our culture. Just think about that for a minute. It's not to say that people who live out in the sticks can't have an effect, but there's something about cities that they seem to be a hub of all the important stuff that happens. You've got everything there. You've got learning. You've got industry. You've got business. And people who live in cities tend to be able to start things off and grow things in in a way that people out in the sticks can't. And, And that's the same for the gospel. The gospel is able to do more in a city because there's so much going on there 
than it is out in the countryside. And, and that's why, you know, we didn't choose to come and plant a church in a field in Skelmersdale or wherever, I don't know, somewhere else on the outskirts. We wanted to be in Liverpool, in the city. I know we're not in the city centre, but we're in a densely populated area because that's where the people are. That's where the gospel needs to go. And Liverpool is our immediate mission field. Whether you've come to Liverpool from America, temporarily, whether you come from Scotland or from Biggin Hill, wherever you come from, whether you are literally from Liverpool itself, Liverpool, if you're living in Liverpool and you're part of Freedom Church, Liverpool is your immediate mission field. And that is where we want to do God's work. And I want to talk specifically about how we can help Liverpool as a city, how we can live out our call, live out our DNA to Liverpool. I'm going to look at a little bit of Jeremiah. This is a verse in, in Jeremiah chapter 29. And the situation is that actually the Israelites are in exile. They're in Babylon. Uh, they've been exiled from Jerusalem. And the temptation would just be to bunker down, to just hide away in their little ex- uh, exile community and just, just do their best to just wait, wait it out until they can go back to Jerusalem, not get stuck into Babylon, not, not get into life over there, just, just, just hold tight, hope one day we can get back to Jerusalem. Let's not put down roots here. But no, Jeremiah says this, and, and, and he says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters increase in number there do not decrease also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which i have carried you into exile pray to the lord for it because if it prospers you too will prosper that bit i've highlighted there seek the peace and prosperity of the city that is our calling to liverpool to seek the peace and prosperity of Liverpool. I pinched a paraphrase of this passage just to, just to really embed it, and I've, I've changed some of the words just to make it specific to us in Liverpool, but this, this kind of like says the same thing, but even, in even more kind of, come on, get hold of it way. Don't isolate yourself from the rest of the Liverpool community and create a Christian ghetto. Enter fully into the life of the city. Get a job and enter its economy. Buy a house or rent an apartment. Become a Jesus lover who loves scousers and commit yourself to Liverpool's life and being. Weep with those who weep. Laugh with those who laugh. Live and move and have your being in the city as people who are transformed by the magnetic love of Jesus Christ. And by doing so, become God's presence in Liverpool to which I have called you. Are we getting this? We are, and not just us, every church in Liverpool, I'm not, there's nothing unique about Freedom Church as compared to any other church in Liverpool, but we are called as Christians in Liverpool to be God's presence in this city. That's our role. That's our role. And we need to look out for Liverpool. We need to love Liverpool, the people, the place, the city. It needs God's presence, and we are it. We are it. We need to demonstrate to the city how beautiful a true community of God can be. But we also need, as Matt said, 
to not make that community isolated and inward focused. We need to step out as a community and actively seek to bless the city and to welcome people in and to bring people in and show them something amazing. Big stuff. It's a big calling. Liverpool is a big place and it's a broken place. But that's our calling. So how do we go about it? As I said, Liverpool is our immediate mission field. And I'm reading a book at the moment, uh, sorry the picture's a bit sketchy up there, by a guy called Paul Keeble. And I wouldn't say I agree with every word of it, it's, it's challenging, some interesting stuff in it. Um, he's a guy who, uh, he's a very learned, successful man, um, at Northern Irish and resettled in Manchester, but he chose to go and live right in the heart of the sort of one of the most run-down areas of Manchester. He felt called by God specifically. Do you know what? I don't want to go and live out in the suburbs. I don't want to go and live the, the, you know, the, the sort of life that I could afford to live if I really wanted to. I'm going to live right in the heart of the city. I'm going to mix in with, with the locals, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my family there. You, know, you don't have to do that. I'm not, don't hear me say that today that you need to live in a, in a, in a poorer area, otherwise you're, n- you're not following your calling to God, uh, to God. But it's just an interesting outlook that he has on it. But what I like is he talks about three kinds of mission. There's mission two, mission four, and mission weird. Now mission two is, I guess, what we do every so often when we hold an evangelistic event. We say, right, we are going on mission. We're going to do a Christmas service or an Easter service, or we're going to do an event in the park. And we're going to do something outwardly evangelistic. We're going to do something obviously gospel-focused and invite people in and tell them about Jesus. And that's good. It's, it's, it's great, and we need that, and we'll continue to do that as a priority in Freedom Church. That's the first type of mission. And then there's mission four, and that, that looks more like your sort of social action type stuff. What, what can we do to bless those that are in need? And this is so Baby Basics, for example, which is a brilliant initiative. That's mission four. That's something that, that meets a need in the city. That's something that spots some, some hurt and some pain and ministers to it. That's mission four. Again, brilliant, good. I'm not knocking that at all. But what I want to focus on today, what I'm talking about today, is mission with. Mission with. And that is everyday life in the city of Liverpool for us. It's not event-based. It's not charity-based. It's just doing life. Sold out for Jesus in the city with the people in the city who need to know Jesus. It's not about projects. It's not about initiatives. It's about getting stuck into life lived out in the open as the salt and light of Jesus in the city. It's about ministering to our neighbours, our next door neighbours, the parents in the schoolyard, your work colleagues, your friends, your family who don't know Jesus. It's entering people's lives without an agenda, but just with genuine interest and love and compassion, bringing care and generosity and love and support and seeking the good the city for our community and that even means getting involved in some of the things that might seem trivial to us like parents associations and council elections and neighborhood watch and community schemes and sports clubs you know all of that is mission with it's getting stuck in it's getting out of the the bosom of the church and the the nice cozy thing we have here which is lovely and beautiful and going out and saying i'm going to live in the world as well and i'm going to be jesus in the city to people. 
And you know what? As I look around, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. There are people who do this. So many of you do it. I, I look at Ian. I know Ian and Jean can't walk down Picton Road without meeting someone that they know because they have worked tirelessly for years to just build up relationship and build up knowledge of the local people there. And, and they know that community. And I commend you guys for that. It's brilliant. And I look at Ken, who is spending nearly every week with a group of gay choir singers. <laughs> but he's doing life with these guys because someone needs to reach him. Someone needs to spend time with these guys and show them the love of God. And I look at Owen and his family with running and, and, and all that sort of thing and getting involved in sport. And I said, it's a great way to meet people and do life. We're not called to just be in our little Christian bubble. And you know, down the years, I've come across people who I love, and brothers and sisters in Christ who I absolutely adore. But if you said to them, have you got any non-Christian friends at the moment? Who are you hanging out with outside of the church? Who are you spending time with? Who are you, who are you bringing the love of Jesus to? And they haven't got any. And they're, they're, they're beautifully enmeshed in, in, in the relationship of the church and their friends and family in the church, but they've stopped ministering to the city. And we don't want to get to that place. We need to live outward-focused lives in this city. Otherwise, this city will remain as it is, broken and unreached for God. Am I making sense? We need to get stuck in, in the everyday, the everyday stuff. And it doesn't mean that you, you know, when you go to a neighborhood watch meeting or you go to a whatever meeting, a PTA meeting, it doesn't mean that you need to stand up and preach the gospel. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. But as you build relationship, as we build relationship and people just get to know our lives and they get to know our families and they get to know what we do on a Sunday and a Wednesday or whatever it is, they see something different about us and they see something in us that is attractive and they want to know what makes us tick. Another quote, and again, it's a bit wordy, I apologize, but this is Tim Keller again. Once in cities, Christians should be a dynamic counterculture. It is not enough for Christians to simply live as individuals in the city. They must live as a particular kind of community. Jesus told his disciples that they were a city on a hill that showed God's glory to the world. Christians are called to be an alternate city within every earthly city an alternate human culture within every human culture to show how sex and money and power can be used in non-destructive ways it's a great quote isn't it what we do how we live out our daily lives in this city is powerful it makes a difference and it's noticeable and it should, make, it should cause people to ask questions. But to do that, we've got to mix. And we've got to get out there and engage. Because you know what? Liverpool, I can make a case for it for just being one of the most needy cities of Jesus in the country, in the world. It needs God so badly. Liverpool needs our city on a hill. It needs to see our community and see what true life in, in relationship with God is. Just a few examples. Look, the top left photo there. Liverpool, we know, is one of the most, um, has one of the worst rates of fatherlessness in the country. 
a really, really high level. There's neighborhoods in the city where 65% of family homes don't have a father present, where there's children. My heart breaks for that. It's horrible. And we need to show them that there's a father that loves people. There's a father who will never let them down. There's a father who just longs for a relationship with his children in a way that every earthly father, whether they're present at home or not, can't match. We need to show that to the city of Liverpool. There's poverty in Liverpool all over the place. There's neighborhoods boarded up. There's drug dens. There's all sorts of social problems. And we need to show them that there's a God with an abundance of richness for them. Not Not necessarily earthly riches, but richness and love. And that it doesn't matter about money. That money isn't an identity. People need to see what God has to offer. And one at the bottom there, and it might be a controversial one, I'm not knocking hills or anything like that, but there is occasionally a, a tendency in Liverpool to hold on to hurt and to hold on to bitterness and to hold on to, hold on to grudges. And you'll see, you'll see taxis driving around the city at the moment um, saying shun the sun and don't buy the sun. And do you know what? I get that. The sun did horrendous things in Hillsborough. But what actually this preaches is a culture where it's okay never to forgive. And it's okay to hold on. If you've been hurt, you don't have to forgive. It's okay. You can hold that grudge and that's the norm. And yet we're called to be a dynamic counterculture. We're called to hold the opposite view to that actually. Um, Again, I'm not agreeing at all with what the sun did and all that stuff with Hillsborough, but... There's something there about never forgive, never forget. That's the opposite of what we believe, isn't it? If it was never forgive, never forget, we wouldn't be sat here today worshipping the God who loves us. We have to break through that culture. But we can't do it by closing our doors and being a a cliquey family of believers together. We've got to get out there and slowly but surely pervade people's thinking with the truth of God. Okay, let's have a little break. Um, Split into groups, twos, threes, and just discuss these questions. What are your key touch points with the city of Liverpool? By what I mean is, where are you able in your life, in your daily life, to engage with people and the city of Liverpool? Just just list them, just think between yourselves. Where can I get out? Where Where am I engaging with this city? Think about where you can have an influence right now. Places where actually you think, do you know what? And you might even be doing it already, but what can I do? Where can I actually do something that, that loves the city of Liverpool, that helps it to prosper and the people in it? And also have a think about where would I like to be doing this that I'm not already? What are the places that I'd love to help and change people's lives with the gospel that I'm not doing yet? Okay? Just a couple of minutes looking at that. Five minutes maybe. Okay. Let's, uh, let's feed back a bit. Do you want to shout back at me some, uh, some of your answers? What are, the, what are some of the key touch points that we have with the city then in the room? What have we got? Work. work, yeah, great one. Work is full. Even in the place, I work for a Christian charity. Um, and it, there's loads of non-Christian. I don't mean Freedom Church. There's lots of Christians in Freedom Church. But in, in the big help project where I work, even there, lots of non-Christians. It's an immediate mission field. Yeah, thanks, Guy. Anyone else? Sorry? Jim? Jim Jim Russell. Oh, the gym. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure Jim's already saved, Kathy. It's okay. Whoa. Whoa. I've done, I've done 7,199 steps today. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Good one, Kathy. So, do, do you, are you able to uh, speak to people? Well, you're not, you're not sort of panting and out of breath. Oh, well. <laughs> and so humbled. So humbled too. Uh, anywhere else? Uni. Brilliant one. I mean, you guys, as students in the city, you've got an incredible mission field there. Because people go, the three years you spend in university, I find probably the most, possibly three of the most formative years in our lives, those who go to university. It's not for everyone, but if you go, it's an incredible experience. And you make a heck of a lot of mistakes. Believe me, I made a heck of a lot of mistakes at university. But uh, people make big life choices at university. And people are wide open for the gospel. And if you can just get them, uh, get them talking about it. So, yeah, brilliant one, university. Anywhere else? Schools, yeah. You guys going into schools with Open the Book. Uh, and those who work in schools. Uh, and those, you know, picking your kids up from school. Um, school gate conversations. Lots of potential there, isn't there, for, for building relationship and just, just showing people how you live. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what, some places that you thought about, you know, I, I'd love to be getting involved in this place or that place, and you're not yet. Anyone got anything for that? Anyone? Maybe the gym for me. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> Anyone else? Hospitals? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of brokenness in hospitals, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, people really needing comfort. That's a brilliant one, Ange. Yeah. Anyone else? Neighbours? Yeah? Yeah. Neighbours are hard, aren't they? Because you might have the will to really get to know your neighbours, but sometimes there's literal boundaries and fences that they put up. And you <laughs> but like you really, yeah. But you'd really like to, you know, just, you know, we've got neighbours on both sides and one side... They're really open, and we, we, we see them all the time, and they let us into their house, and we let them into our house. The other side, they were, we, they're nice to talk to, never once been inside their house. I don't know what it is about us. They just, they just don't, they, it's, it's very much a closed door. Um, and it's hard, you know, we, we want to see some fruit there. We want to see some interaction there. We want to really let them into our lives, but they don't seem to want to take that step, and that can be hard. Anywhere else? I guess we've got some of the same ones again, like work is another one, isn't it, where, you know, it's, it's a place where we are, we've got a touch point, but are we having the influence that we'd like to? Okay. So hopefully you can all see, though, hopefully every single one of us has somewhere where we have a chance to live as God's presence in Liverpool and to minister to people and to show them who we are and what we believe. And I want to look at a little bit fairly quickly, because I know chicken and chips is about 20 minutes away. So excited. I actually, I feel like just finishing my preaching, going and eating that. Um, and then I'll go to the gym. Um, th- uh, three or four methods where we see people in the Bible living out what I, would, what I would say mission with. Living out, blessing the city, seeking the prosperity of the city, and showing people what it's like. So first one is, is Ezra. Um, Ezra is not, not, not the most prominent character in the Bible. You might not know the story. Um, but when the Israelites returned to Jerusalem after, after the exile, Ezra, um, he led a couple of groups back into Israel from Babylon. 
and around the area. And what we learn about Ezra in Ezra verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 10, is that Ezra devoted himself to the study and observance of the law and the, of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Ezra was a man who loved the word of God. He loved this. He loved my Bible, my pink, pink and blue Bible. He loved, he loved the Bible. He, well, what they had of the Bible at that time. He loved scripture. He loved God's law. And he was passionate about it. He devoted himself to it. And when it came to leading the Israelites back, it was Ezra who essentially led a spiritual revival in that city. As the people returned and they, they were lost, they all sorts of upheaval. It was Ezra who said, guys, we need to get back to God. We need to get back to this. We need to get back to living this out. We need God's law in our lives. We need God's word in our lives. You see him there. It's not a photograph. Um, didn't have cameras then. But uh, you know, just, just getting the scrolls out and just reading it over the city. Saying, guys, this is what we need to hear. This is what we need to live by. And he turned people back to God's word. And despite the fact he spent those years in exile in, in pain and in sorrow, he never once wavered. He didn't, he didn't fall away from God. He remained steadfast in loving God. And he fed on God's word. He was sustained by it. And then ultimately he gained favor. And he was able to bring the word back to the people. And he trained people up so that they could do it too. As a challenge to us nowadays as Christians in, in 21st century Liverpool, do you know what? Biblical truth is coming under attack from all angles. You know, people seek to, to tell us where the Bible is outdated and the Bible is wrong, and it, it doesn't mean that anymore. Things have changed. And do you know what? There's a, there's a need for us to stand up and say, no, actually, this is the Word of God. This is truth. We need this in Liverpool. Do you know what, if we followed this more in Liverpool, I think we'd have a very different city. And it's part of our core, part of our DNA, to love this city, is to love this, not my Bible, and, and just bring it to the city and stand up for the truth. It's absolutely key. But there's attack all the time. If, if you look, watch the election over the next few weeks, if you watch Tim Farron, leader of the Liberal Democrat Party, doesn't matter who you're voting for, He's a Christian, evangelical Christian. And every single day, no matter what he's talking about, people just ask him, what, do you think homosexuality is a sin? Because the Bible says it, so is that, is that what you, and he's just getting attacked and attacked and attacked. People want to attack Scripture. They want to, they want to tear it to bits. But there's a call for us to stand up for it, just like Ezra did, and bring the people back to it and help them to know the truth which is in there, which isn't about sinful, sinful, sinful. It's about grace. It's the story of God's pursuit, as Chris said this morning, of us. It's about Jesus' love for his city of Liverpool. We need to tell people about it. We need to love this, and we need to bring it to Liverpool, just like Ezra did to Jerusalem. And then in the same period, the more practical side, you've got the spiritual side, bringing back the word. There's deed. There's things we can do to practically live out and bless the city of Liverpool. So Nehemiah, where, where Ezra led the spiritual revival in, in, in Jerusalem, Nehemiah led the practical rebuilding of the city, where it had been destroyed, where it had been attacked and ransacked, where the walls had fallen down. Nehemiah came back 
and said, I'm going to leave this project. I'm going to build these walls back up. Come with me. Help me. Let's defend this city. Let's seek the good of this city. Let's build this city back up to what it was. And he led people back, and he got them involved. And they did something amazing in that city to restore it to what it was. And he contributed to the, just, just the general health and well-being and safety of the city. And that is what we can do. The influence that we can bring to our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplaces, we can do that just by, li- just by everyday life, living out the sort of life that God's called us to live. And we can have that sort of impact on our city. And then there's our workplace. We've talked about workplaces, places we can have an influence. Now, Esther in the Bible had quite a unique workplace. She was a, a fairly ordinary girl happened to be beautiful and was noticed by by the king at the time. And she ended up being brought into the king's household uh, for his pleasure. But she she rose up in influence in in the king's palace. And ultimately, when her people were under attack, she had risen to a place of influence where she could say, hang on, king, we need to do something about this. This, 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 there's an evil plan here against my people. I, I've got to stand up and, and stand against this. So in our workplaces, just like Esther was put there for such a time as that, to save people, do you know what? In our workplaces, God can use us like that. Who knows, but for such a time as this, you might be in that particular office or that particular job or that particular building. So wherever you work, even if you feel like, oh, I really hate my job. Do you know what? I'm really struggling here. I don't enjoy coming to work here today. But you know, for such a time as this, you might be in that place to touch someone's life in a way that you never imagined. And God can do that. Just like he did it with Esther. For such a time as this, a whole generation of people was saved from from murder and genocide because of the influences she had in her particular place of work. We can love our city bring amazing things to it through our workplaces. And then finally, quickly in, in Acts, the early church, we see the way they lived out the community of, of God, the early church. They shared everything. They looked after each other. They cared for each other. They worshipped together openly in the city. And you know what? What does it say? The Lord added to their number daily. Daily. People saw a community living for God, doing something different. Not about me, me, me. Not about what can I get, but about us. About togetherness. About care. About sharing. And the people walked past it and saw, wow, that's different. I want some of that. And he added to their number daily. I hope that people see our community here. And our church here. And they think, wow, I want some of that. Exactly what Matt was preaching this, after, uh, this afternoon, this morning. That they see something that we fish, we fish them in with our nets. That they see something attractive about us. And that actually our community grows. And it reaches further and further and further out into Liverpool and the surrounding area. That's what happened with Acts led by the Spirit, in love with Jesus, devoting themselves to the Word, devoting themselves to prayer. And the effect it had was absolutely incredible. 
So there's just four ways. The word, deed, work, and community, where we can have just an incredible impact on this city. And it's our DNA. It is in our DNA to do this, to love this city, and to seek its best individually in our everyday lives and corporately as the body of Christ.